Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Hey, Mr. Philip, how you doing? Doing well. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. I appreciate everyone joining in and listening today. Me and Mr. Philip Dampier are going to be reading through 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 through 18. And I think you've probably already seen a theme here with what Chris has been doing this week and what he's been talking about, specifically the relationship between David and Jonathan. So Monday, Tuesday, no, I'm sorry, not Monday. That's our Psalms. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we had uh, different sections from David and Jonathan's relationship. And I think Chris has already brought up a lot of good uh, aspects to the relationship and how it kind of points towards a greater relationship. And so me and Mr. Philip will be closing out this week, kind of talking about that same kind of thing. So I'll start us off by reading our selection of verses. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 through 18. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Kalia and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kalia. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Kalia against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Kalia, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. Then David and his men went to Kalia and found the, and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Kalia. When Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Kalia, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. Now it was Saul that David had come. Now it was told to Saul that David had come to Kalia, and Saul said, "God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars." And Saul summoned all the people to go to war, to go down to Kalia to besiege David and his men. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him, and he said to Abathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. And David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Kalia to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Kalia surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Kalia surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Kalia, and they went wherever they could go. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kalia, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horish, and Jonathan went home. 
Great section of verses. Uh, there's always so many things to point out. Me and Philip were talking beforehand. You know, it's it's hard to just jump into the middle of a narrative because there's so much that's gone on before. There's so many different, you know, people, places, uh, things, specifically the ephod here, that have connections to earlier chapters. So it's it's difficult just coming in the middle of a narrative because you never know if uh, everyone listening or, and everyone uh, studying with you knows what all these connections are. And we definitely don't have time to point out every single connection. We'll point out a few, I think, but I think what we will primarily hit on is this relationship uh, that's exemplified in the last couple of verses. I think an, uh, an interesting thing to point out is that um, Abathar has reached David just after this attack on Kalia in chapter 23. This means that David was, uh, in an earlier chapter, or, or here specifically, attacking the Philistines the same time Saul was attacking the priests in Nod, which is just a couple chapters back. And so it kind of continues to show this contrast between David and Saul. Um, it's interesting. I think it was in verse 9 where Saul ends up saying, um, no, it's not verse 9. Uh, it's in verse 7 where Saul thinks that God is delivering David into his hands. When actually, you read in a later verse, uh, it's by God's will that David is not placed into Saul's hands. So you kind of have this just, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, the position that Saul is in, where he just completely has misinterpreted God's will. Uh, he's continually acting out against God's will. Uh, and David continually acts in the right way. He never attempts to engage Saul. He's constantly trying to outrun Saul, flee from Saul. When, you know, because we know David has this mindset, if he is ever uh, in a fight or something, if God's on his side, he's going to win. We know that David has that kind of faith, but he's not willing to do that with Saul because Saul is God's anointed. So David's always doing the right thing. He's always running from Saul. Saul is always pursuing Saul under uh, the presumption that God is the one allowing him to capture Saul. He's going to, God's going to allow him to defeat Saul. So it's, it's ironic. It's sad. Uh, I guess for me personally, I always feel bad for Saul that he's just so out of the loop when it comes to God's will that he really thinks he's doing the right thing a lot of times. Uh, I won't get into quite this relationship between uh, the townspeople of Kalia and, and what's going to happen here and how that ties into David and Jonathan, because I think Philip's got a really good point on that. But maybe one other thing to bring out is, um, I love in this chapter specifically, for me, this is a good chapter of David. David has his ups and downs, but for me, David acts really good in this chapter. Specifically in this chapter, he continually goes to God. I think it's four different times asking God, hey, is this going to happen? Should I do this? Should I go here? Rarely do we as Christians take time to pray before every single action we take, every big decision even. Uh, maybe when we're really scared, maybe when we're really worried, maybe when we really want something, we make sure to go to God in prayer. But David's just doing it before he takes any action. Uh, and to me, that's a great carry over into a relationship with a friend. Good relationships require good communication. And I think that's something David's exemplifying here um, with God. Uh, but Philip, I think you had several good points that you were going to bring out. And I, I'd like to piggyback on what you just said because I think it's really important. Uh, we see David here as the underdog, and he's not in the position of power, although he can seize it, but he 
he doesn't want to do that. And so yeah. he's going, he's asking God for guidance. But if we've, if we run forward a little bit, once David becomes the king of power, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. David has his own agenda. And for quite some time in the early part of his kingship, it's all about what David wants, not about what God wants. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a good point. Uh, I would like to say that uh, one of the things I see in this passage, and it has to do with verse 7 that you just mentioned, uh, jealousy will blind us to reality. Mm-hmm. When, when, we, when we're allowed to be caught up in jealousy, we lose sight of what's truth, what's fact, and we allow that emotion to control us. Now, when they came out singing, uh, Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his ten thousand. Boy, it made Saul angry, and he became very jealous of David. And at that point, he wasn't going to rest until he put David to death, mm-hmm. uh, spear throwing or whatever. He was after David, and that uh, blinded him to the fact that God was no longer his his uh, guide. So here he says, "Oh boy." I've got David in a trap, and that must be God's doing. Yeah. And it's just the jealousy that's blinding him to the to the truth of what's really going on. And then a little bit, a little bit later, it says Saul sought him every day, every day. Yeah. Now, yeah. God intended to put David in Saul's hand. Don't you think Saul would have figured it out? Uh, this isn't working like I thought. Right. Because he's trying every day. It's his sole purpose in life now is to get rid of David. And God just doesn't do it. But David is blinded by jealousy. And I, I think that's something to think about in your life. You let, you let an emotion like jealousy or hate get in and uh, fear, any of those things, they blind you to reality. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, that is a really good point to bring out, especially when you give in to feelings like anger, jealousy, greed. It's day after day they come back. You know, if it, you, know you have to actively fight against it you know um that is a good point yeah and saul's totally lost he's not fighting against. he's totally lost right uh, the next thing I, I thought about was the two concepts of loyalty and love and and how one goes about getting those uh looking at it from from what we would think socially or or militarily here's david rescuing this village who's about to lose all their food because it's the threshing time and the, and the Philistines are coming in there. They're gathering, they're going to take their harvest. These people are going to starve to death. And David comes in without them asking him and rescues them. Wow. What are they rejoicing? How, what not be exciting? We've been, we're going to live. Mm-hmm. And then the word comes that, that Saul knows David's there and he's coming down. And, and so David says, well, I, I can stay here if these people are going to help me. And so he asked the question, will these people turn me in? And the answer is yes. So much for loyalty, just saved their life. And <laughs> just, immediately yeah. they're like, it's okay. Thank you, but uh, now Saul's coming so that the deal is over. You contrast that to Jonathan, mm-hmm. who has every reason to be loyal to his father, but he can't stand what his father's doing because you know it isn't right. And he has a love for David. And his love allows him to stand in front of his own father and the king and protect 
David. And, and David's not done anything for him. He isn't doing it in order to pay David back like that village should have done. Right. And I, I think it's interesting to know that, you know, you, you can't buy loyalty. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. And, uh, and you can't buy love. But when someone loves you, then money will not take that love away. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, it's a great thing that nothing that's going to happen in this book, in this story, is going to take away the love that, that Jonathan has for David. And for that reason, Saul is always going to be frustrated because his own son loves this man. Well, and you wonder, you know, just, just Saul does not, how does Saul not see that? The fact that, you know, you've mentioned Saul's jealousy and you've mentioned how Jonathan had every right to side with Saul, but that Jonathan doesn't experience that jealousy because David's going to get everything that Jonathan, in a sense, should get because he's the king's son. But da- but Jonathan doesn't display that type of jealousy, that type of hate, that type of, you know, day after day like Saul is. You know, how does Saul not see that in his own son, that his son is handling things better than he is? That's, a, that's an interesting point you bring up. Don't you, don't you think, too, when you look at history, whether it's uh, kings or... Uh, dictators, whatever. The the son is always expecting to be the heir and is going to be the next king. Right. Oh, yeah. So how often does the oldest son, who's going to be king, say, nah, I'd rather be second. <laughs> yeah. And so he says to David, you're going to be king, and I'm going to be by your side. I'm going to be second. And uh, that's the attitude that we, we try to teach in church for Christians is that we quit putting ourselves first and start thinking of being second. Yeah. You can get the honor and I'll be by your side. That's how the Christian ought to be. That's hard. Be thinking. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And, uh, and, and I think Chris has already brought this up too, but, just going along with the character of Jonathan. It's not that Jonathan couldn't lead. It's not that he wouldn't have been a good king. You know, the first story you get of Jonathan, he has this great military victory. And so that's how Saul's story starts out. That's technically how David's story starts out with him and Goliath. So it's, oh, wow, Jonathan could be this next big king because he's a good military leader. I think that's what Israel is really looking for. But Jonathan chooses not to take that path. He takes the you know, I, that's, that's a really good thought, Devin. If you stop and think about the difference in the victories, though, Jonathan never sought that victory for Jonathan. Yes, yeah. He's Very like, true. this is God's decision. This is not about Jonathan. Mm-hmm. This isn't whether or not Jonathan can do this. This is whether or not God can do this. And so what we have is, uh, I had a third point about this thing, and it would fit in here, I think, that pride... Um, that pride, like like jealousy, can influence our thinking. And first thing you know, you know, you'll be like Moses, and uh, you, you'll be striking the rock and taking credit for the water. Yeah. And and uh, this is Saul. This is David. And uh, here's Jonathan, who's like, okay, so he's a, he's a great general, but it's only like he says, hey, this is. Nothing to do with me. This is all about God. Right. And that influences him then to say, I'll be second to David, because that's what God wants. Mm. 
Wow. Yeah. If we yeah. could do that with our life, just say, I, I, I'm going to be second because that's what God wants. Yeah. And every relationship, uh, I mean, that would tremendously affect our church, you know, if we could have that attitude. Yeah, it would. It would. Well, thank you, Mr. Philip. I appreciate the thoughts. I, hopefully this has been a good uh, study for everyone. I think Philip has brought some really good points on really the dangers of pride and jealousy, looking at this uh, difference between bought loyalty and a sacrificial love. Uh, some really good things and just really the three verses we get about Jonathan here, but the whole context I think brings it together too. When you look at uh, contrasting Jonathan and Saul uh, as father and son and the way that they're handling this issue of David, Jonathan has a very uh, godly outlook on it. So I appreciate everyone tuning in today. Again, I, I always appreciate doing this with, with Mr. Philip and hopefully we're going to be able to do this more in the future. Thank you. All right. Y'all have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you.